0: Hello and welcome to uh, Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's versant is Little Apostate, who runs an Instagram channel that's very crafty and very clever, and she challenges certain dominant ideologies that I myself challenge, these ideologies that happened to be running amok throughout public and private life. So she's running this Instagram. I was really amazed. turns out she started a podcast and then I listened to her. I'm like, I like this girl's voice. I like her thoughts. Sorry, this young woman's voice, this young woman's thoughts. I wanted to have her on. So we have a conversation as you can imagine. And you actually don't have to imagine it, just allow this podcast to play into your ears. I think you should follow her, at least check her stuff out. She's a new voice, up and coming. She's got a lot going for her. So without further ado, here is Little Apostate. Hello. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am fair. Sounds good. What are you up to uh, today? Are you yelling at Benji? Oh, I guess we will see. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Depends on what questions I ask, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What kind of dog?
1: uh... He's a a dachshund. Okay. A little long-haired one. Yeah,
0: he's super cute. I bet. I mean, why would you not have a super cute dog?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's my roommate's dog, but he he gets very lonely, so he was sitting at the door barking and waiting for her to come home. And so, oh. Yeah, yeah. he literally, he'll sit at the door, or he'll stand up and look out the window to see if her car is pulling in.
0: It's do, very Does cute. it make you feel bad, because he should only do that for you?
1: Yeah, it makes me a little angry. <laughs> <laughs> I resent him a little bit for it. I'm like... <laughs> Hello, I'm right here. Yeah, but that's cool. What are you gonna do?
0: How's your uh, social media life going?
1: Do you mean on the little apostate or personal? Well, oh,
0: I guess there's, I guess there's several. Then you you run yeah. several accounts, several different. Well, so personalities.
1: there's there's mine, there's yeah. the personal one, and that one is never going good
0: <laughs>
1: because I'm always. Always somehow making everyone angry. And uh, yeah, you know. And then on the little apostate one, I mean, it's good. I enjoy it, obviously.
0: Yeah. I keep doing it. Well, you're not just keep doing it, you're expanding it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I kind of took this little leap to using my actual voice, and that's been strange.
0: What prompted that? Very exciting. Did you just have to do it? Was there like some compulsion or an idea or restlessness? Well,
1: so, so I went I went on a smaller uh, podcast uh, and heard myself talking for the first time. And I was like, and I showed some of my my closer friends. And they were like, your voice actually isn't that bad. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's really crazy to hear. Because I thought I had a terrible voice my whole life. So huh. I was... Uh, surprised by that and then I was also surprised how much I enjoyed talking so
0: you know um that's the first thing I said to you well I mean yeah. I guess we had a back and forth but then I'm like oh my god I really like your voice uh, would you yeah. like to give it to me and my audience
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I mean I was surprised that was actually a lot of what people said first was hmm. nice voice I'm like hmm, all right as long as I have that, I guess I can say anything then. And people, there's, you know, I can only be so bad then. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Makes up for maybe where I lack in super high intelligence. Uh,
0: I, I don't know about that. I mean, I feel stupid all the time, but I think yeah. stupidity is relative. I've been hanging out on this, uh, this new app. Uh, it's only for iPhone right now. It's called Club, Clubhouse. Yeah, I've, I've been watching all the Tim Dillon videos on that. Oh, okay. Um, if yeah. you have an iPhone, I can shoot you an invite if you're interested. But Oh, yeah, I'd love to. There is a bunch of very smart people, and I don't mean that ironically in the James Lindsay sense, but there are mm-hmm. a lot of really smart people talking, and I'm like, I, the I'm the, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and then like every once in a while, like, I feel like I have to talk just to like mm-hmm. say something, and then like all my performance anxiety kicks in, and I can't like get my breathing right and stuff like that, right. so it's really weird, yeah. I was just thinking about how my channel is a controlled environment so I can really express myself in Mm -hmm. this format, but there's something about the stranger conversation that I'm just, uh, I need more practice in, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the episode or the video I was watching, I was watching one yesterday on Tim Dillon and Joe Rogan and Lex friedman all went on Clubhouse and uh, they were talking about how Clubhouse is now going to take over podcasting kind of, it's going to change up, the way podcasting happens. And I was a little sad because I was like, seriously? Right when I, right when I start, oh, there's some new technology. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> like, Actually, it never ends. I,
0: I was thinking that exact same thought last night while I was listening. I'm like, this is going to change podcasting. And I just got my foot in the door. Oh, yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> Maybe but, I can be I an mean,
0: earlier adopter to this thing. I don't know.
1: Right. Well, that's what I'm kind of hoping
0: too. I don't know. Well, but the thing is, I, listening to it, there's um, gr- there's a different way of uh, communicating in a one to one or maybe a one on two conversation. In on my channel, in my experience, I can get I can get progressively deeper and deeper and deeper when mm-hmm. it's one on one. When there's That's a right. lot of other things, uh, it gets chaotic. It gets meta. Like the the, yeah. the, the conversation deteriorates and mm-hmm. kind of comes back. It's got a different ebb and flow to it, yeah um, so it's it's not replacing the podcast, I don't
1: know. right I, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're really only kind of touching the surface then you're never you know you're, you're right there's no In getting what, super super deep into a single person's yeah. mind and yeah, which is what is so interesting about podcasting yeah,
0: yeah. are you do you think you'll uh, expand into the interview thing because you when did you start your podcast?
1: Uh, a little over a week ago. Oh, and then okay. yes, yeah, very, very new. <laughs> um, you already have
0: like five or six episodes. Jeez. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've I've just been trying to, uh, I guess, kind of get used to it and mm. push out as much content as I can. I do want to expand into the interview uh, eventually because there's only. I'm honestly starting to feel crazy because I'm, I'm like talking to myself nonstop going for walks thinking about how I'm what I'm going to say to myself later <laughs> like <laughs> like it's like a it feels it feels insane
0: oh wow mm-hmm. isn't that novel though so you you're kind of embarking on this uh new conversation with yourself in a way or yeah your relationship to your mind is is taking on another form perhaps
1: yeah i mean so what actually kind of inspired it along with just hearing my voice in that smaller podcast and thinking this actually isn't so bad and I actually kinda like doing it. Uh was reading I've been like kind of obsessed a little bit with Nietzsche recently. Mm. And I've read, yeah, Nietzsche. Which <laughs> Nietzsche? So it was if honestly it was a video I had watched on YouTube. There's like this one YouTube channel that just like they are way more intelligent, know way more about Nietzsche mm. than I do. But <laughs> it was A video that went into him getting sick in his mid thirties. So he got like, he was bedridden. um, He was a hermit. He was just like, life was like not looking good for him. And he decided to start walking and he started walking upwards of eight hours a day. And through doing that, Hmm. he said, like connecting with the ground every single day in that way. He cured himself of his ailments, and then he went on to write, like, Thus Spoke Zarathustra and all of, all of his greats. So okay. yeah. that that is kind of what made me start. I started walking a lot, and I was like, I'm just going to start doing something crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm mean, going to have a conversation with myself and, and see how long I can keep it going.
0: With Little Apostate, um, this particular container that you're putting yourself into, could you describe like, what are the parameters or the focus or the kind of the ends that you're, you're seeking or what's emerging through that? What kind of topics and uh, tonalities?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the purpose originally was really just because I was, I felt so um, one alone in my, in my town because I live in a very, very liberal area and Tell as i said before it. like my my personal instagram i had i couldn't help but start talking about stuff that i was seeing that i thought was wrong because like you know i followed you i followed like james Lindsay, and i was like i these people are so smart and i'm agreeing with them hmm. and these people that i'm surrounded by here are so uh brainwashed it seems so and then reposting all nonstop these tiny little instagram slides that were empathetic and cute but wrong so
0: Mm.
1: i started to say what
0: what year this is just for context because it kind of this
1: was 2020 so this was okay this was like when everyone started going insane after the first few months of covid and they you know started really really caring about politics or what was going on in the world even though they'd never cared about it before
0: (laughs) i thought that people were gonna like Get bored, look at Twitter and see this woke stuff is a joke, but they did the opposite. Yeah, they were like,
1: yeah, this is also this is this is the gospel now. Yeah. So um, so I saw that and I decided to I wanted to because I was starting to lose friends. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to find a way to make a connection with people and also to provide a service kind of that I wasn't seeing, which is good looking things like my little, my designs that aren't just quippy little empathetic one-liners that that carry no real tangible like evidence or anything. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something a little different there. And then I kind of through that just really, really got extra, extra into, uh, bringing philosophy and like history and and how it relates to what's going on today into my designs and my, you know, where I wanted this to go. Cause I want it to be informational, even though I am not an expert on anything. So
0: yeah. <laughs> well, neither am I. Mm-hmm. I'm not even a jack of all trades. I'm kind of like a, what is that trade? Okay. I'm going to go on, ask somebody right. else about their trade. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's kind of funny. Uh, because I remember right before I started this, I had picked up uh, Intellectuals in Society by Tom Soule. Mm-hmm. And I think I only read like the first chapter or two because I was like, okay, well, I'm screwed. Because the whole thing is like, if you're not an expert, you shouldn't be talking about things, yes. basically. And I was like, well, I'm trying to talk about everything. Yeah. And so like, I just can't. This is just going to make me not do what I want to do, which is yeah. talk about everything. So I stopped reading it. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how has the response to this Instagram project um what what was the response like and how has that uh kind of enlightened where to go next or influenced your moves?
1: Um I mean the response has been a lot of people a lot of people have reached out to me and I've had a lot of very long conversations with strangers who have felt very alone as well and so that's what's kind of like been pushing it more so like building this kind of community it feels like of people who have been isolated from society sort of and that's like what's making me want to go further with it because i feel like there's a special there's I feel a special bond with all of these people that I've never felt before. And so I wanted to bring it to the voice, the the spoken word medium to connect a little deeper. Cause I feel like it, there's, it stops when it's just Instagram slides that, and writing captions. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not real enough. Yeah. No, not real enough. It is real. Yeah. Not real enough.
0: What, um, this might sound. Uh, I'm going to try to phrase this kindly because it might sound a little harsh. But what what makes you qualified to speak to loners? Um, I mean, I've been. Why do you have an affinity for them? The I think because outcast.
1: I've I've always felt like one myself, I, and I mean, I kind of am now. Like I I, I really I see my roommate, um, obviously. She has to see me um, yeah. but i I spend every single day just alone now, and uh when I was a kid, that's how I spent every single day pretty much besides you know with my mom and but I was a very, very lonely kid, and I went through a phase where i wasn't I was very social, but now it's it's kind of it's weird I've gone back to my childhood kind of hmm. and So it's been, I've had, I've always kind of had, I guess, yeah, an affinity for loners and and connecting with them because I myself am one at
0: heart. Let's be alone together.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: There is a uh, necessity for people who are at least capable of being outsiders right now because this ideology, which... We can go into if you want, we can specify if you want, but I'm just going to call it wokeness right now. And Mm -hmm. that's got a very shifty, complex definition, as I've explored on my podcast and as you've explored Mm -hmm. through your work, too. But because this ideology is so dominant and so social and Mm -hmm. uh, uniform or unifying in a very specific way, Um, People are using this belief system or this worldview in order to feel a part of society, in order to engage with society, especially through social media. Last year, there was a lot of uh, rallies and uh, I guess some were protests, some were just uh, rallies, some were riots, but people used a cause to Mm -hmm. congregate and then within that cause arose or was already embedded this entire uh, system of thought, this critical right. race theory, this Marxist, uh, postmodernist, uh, all this stuff, which you don't really need to know about, if you're just a proponent of that, what we can mm-hmm. call wokeness. Like, there's different tiers from from normie to expert within that. Yes. Thing, but because it's so, there's a quality about it that demands adherence, and will alienate people who uh depart from that or question mm-hmm. that or you know, destabilize that in any different way. Mm-hmm. So those who are capable of being outsiders uh are kind of for this period of time almost kind of the guiding lights for a lot of people who are suddenly were a part of society, this uh Wokeness came in and then they can't agree with it or they don't agree with it or they're just mm-hmm. canceled for another reason. And now there are outsiders, too, and they don't have any uh, – I, I, either it's a personality trait or the skill set to be outside of mm-hmm. something, outside of society. So I'm just commenting on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's – one. It's it's funny because it is like – it's weird that by being an outsider and kind of looking for a community, you're sort of doing the same thing in a way as what these people are doing who are looking for their own community uh, through this crazy time where everyone's been heavily isolated, mm-hmm. um, which it's it's interesting that the, it is kind of the same thing in a way, but it's it's different in one group of people are not, like there's no welcome Party waiting for them. They have to search it out, and the other one is just very easy to fall mm. into and to find. Like I, I think I was reading uh, one person, I, I can't remember who or where. It was just a random person, but they were talking about how how amazing it felt to go out and protest and be a part of something finally, and to like be with all these like-minded individuals. And it was like really powerful written statement they had on there. And even I was like, "It really must feel great to go and like throw your fist in the air while everyone else is doing it. And, you know, like that, that's a very, very tempting thing. And it's definitely hard to pass up when you're looking for it.
0: Mm -hmm. What made you not do that?
1: Um, I mean, I think I just, at this point, I've just been reading too much. I've been thinking too much. Like I, <laughs> oh no, I, yeah. Ever since uh, yeah, I went into this a bit on my first, in my first podcast episode. But I was like a pretty heavily indoctrinated, like woke okay. person for a few
0: years. Um Could you give like dates or an age range? Just uh
1: yeah. So context? when I because it
0: does matter uh, in a way.
1: Yeah. So I was uh, I guess I was twenty. Two, when I I had been a conservative before that. Like i I okay. identified as one I in, all throughout high school because okay. my mom, my family is very conservative. Um so I I would argue with people for the sake of arguing when I just and I, I would isolate myself then too. I it was kind of a fun thing for me at that point though. Um <laughs> so it was I was like I was just an asshole. I was a, a conservative asshole who didn't really even know what I was talking about. And then mm, I got mm, switched well, yeah. because people started to get to me and be like, You're a bad person. So I believed them. I was like, Oh my God, I need to rid myself of this like white old man wash that I've like been bathing okay. in. Yeah. And um I became very, very social justicey. And you know, I I was always angry about nothing I guess and
0: or everything
1: or every yeah everything um yeah anything that anything that someone did like if a if an old man called me honey I would be like (laughs) like honey oh no I think I called you
0: girlfriend and one of (laughs) those (laughs) changes
1: well now (laughs) I don't care at all (laughs) you can call me anything I don't I don't give a shit but um yeah so uh then it was in 2018 when I started to come out of it, I was twenty-seven, twenty-six. 26. I don't know. I, once you get a little older, you just well, kind of forget how old you are all the time. Yeah. It
0: doesn't, it doesn't get any easier to yeah. remember.
1: <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was, a, I was like 26 or 27 and. So
0: 2018. So this is mid Trump, uh,
1: mid Trump. Yeah. So I was very upset when Trump was elected. I cried. Um, And then I, the first two years,
0: I mean, really hard or just kind of like weepy, weepy. A teardrop. teardrop. Okay. You didn't go, no,
1: no, I think no, a tear like rolled down my cheek. And I looked at my ex-boyfriend at the, or my boyfriend at the time. And I was just like, this is going to be terrible. (laughs) And then, you know, I mean, in some ways it has been terrible, but in other ways I, you know, but, uh, I, uh, in 2018, the, the whole Christine Blasey Ford, that that thing, the believe all women hashtag that was trending. Uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, yeah. So watching the whole world, you know, mm-hmm. condemn man Like I kept, it was so hard for me not to just keep going back to the Salem witch trials that whole time. And it was like, if he floats, he's a witch. And he floated and he was still a witch. Like he he made it out of of that hearing without being condemned by by what actually mattered, mm. and he was still a witch, and so every when I went into work, everyone was sitting around talking about how it was that was the most honest testimony they'd ever heard in their lives, and how christine, christine. yeah christine was uh, you know she was so uh believable, mm. and I had been watching it, and I was like if I talk about Hard to talk about a trauma of of that low. Like, I don't know how it really affected her. Like, I can't I can't get into her brain. But um it seemed odd to me that she it was such a from so long ago, it was such a traumatic thing, and she couldn't stop crying throughout the whole testimony, it seemed, and she talked in that baby voice, and there was no evidence that was compelling enough to convict him. And it just, it felt so wrong to me that we all just were supposed to believe her. Um, that we were being told to by everyone. So, and I also know that I've lied so many times in my life. Like, mm. I could be a liar. I mean, not in a, not in a big, bad, evil way, but like, I would never but go. But you on understand
0: stuff. your own dishonesty.
1: I understand my own dishonesty when I do it. I can be. I can, I've been manipulative before and I don't like that. And that's something I would like to not do, but I well, know now I'm that you
0: have it. a podcast, you can put that to good use.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell everyone I'm manipulating them and then I'll, I hope they yeah. still listen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so hmm. listening to, to that, seeing that really, uh, drove kind of drove it home that there's something off with all of this social justice stuff. And then immediately following that, it seemed there was the uh, Nicholas Sandman thing, where people I worked with who were, were in their thirties, twenties, whatever, um, were all jumping on this hate hate a child bandwagon for the way his face moved in a weird situation. Like, someone comes up to me, some crazy person comes up to me and starts banging a drum in my face. Like, I don't know what my face is going to do. <laughs> like. I don't know. My face does weird things sometimes. So there was just a lot of, uh, of just things that made it so hard not to be like, this is bullshit. (laughs) This is, this is wrong. And then I got, then I kind of stumbled on what everyone calls the intellectual dark web and got trapped in that web and have not gotten out of it because I'm just, And that's where I really just went full, like, I need to listen to everything these people say and read more and understand what's really going on here. So, yeah, I feel like I just rambled a lot.
0: That's exactly what we're here to do. (laughs) And you're doing very well. Okay, thank you. Was there a crisis, uh... Moment, or is there a moment where your worldview was melting before you your eyes, and you felt destabilized in a way? Or sounds like there's something else. Uh, Was
1: that? Yeah, I mean, like it. It it was hard to to kind of like once I started seeing all these things that I had been, like I had been like me too, like hashtag me, like I was on that train. Kind, I wanted to in my head. Be a part of the the good on the good side with the good guys or whatever and um it was weird to realize that one there 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 really is no no good side like there's if you're going to go politically i mean everyone is everyone is in it for themselves if they have some kind of power to gain Um, realizing I think it was more so realizing that than my own, just realizing that you're so, no one's there for you. No one cares. That's kind of what really just started to uh, eat at what I'd been holding on to for so long.
0: I don't know. (laughs) That is, could you open that up a little bit? No one cares. So this ideology that's all about caring. Mm Mm-hmm it seemed hollow to you in some way on a, on an individual level or on both,
1: like I guess a a mass and individual level. Like it's not, uh, you know, we, we all obsess over who we're electing and, and who, um, who we like or don't like, or, or all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, kind of the more I also, the more I've been reading, the more I've just been realizing we act, we, we do not act as the animals that we are, you know, like we have, we have been just kind of restricted into this, like tiny little, these tiny little things, um, that aren't able to act how we want to. And.
0: Like uh, killing and fucking all day. Basically. Yes, exactly.
1: Like killing, like I—that's something I, I think about all the time in a weird way. Like, how much human, human uh experience are we missing out on where we can't go kill our enemy? Just be like, I—I I know I'm not promoting that, but that okay, is something I think about.
0: <laughs> Wait, I am not. So you put yourself in the position of imagining. Um, well, that thought experiment, what what do you see on the other end of it? If we were able to give way to our baser passions of dominating through uh, murderous and sexual means, what what do you see as the end of that? And is it, grass is kind of greener on that side of
1: things? I think, I think it's like, I, I mean, and this is where I get in trouble too. Um, Good. Because I, I have been reading... my latest obsession um Ted Kaczynski has been like just kind of really the Unabomber yes I I love him (laughs) but I I don't I don't love his method I don't like what he what he did although there is a part of me that's like because he was consistent in his belief and I believe still is but that uh Revolution requires violence. And I disagree, but I also don't know if I would be reading him if he didn't do the terrible things he did. So
0: then I'm like, I don't know. Um, but but method aside, what was his meaning?
1: So the whole, what I agree with him on and where I see this going, where we are not acting on our human nature at all, is just the end of everything, like at the end of this society, the end of our empire, like we are, we are relying so heavily on technology that we aren't human anymore. I, I, I think in my last podcast episode, I was sort of thinking about this and it's just like the human feelings, like we used to be chased. We used to be, we used to have to go hunt. We used to have to go, you know, we were constantly, Living on like the, we needed to survive and we we needed to be afraid in order to survive. And now it's just like I wake up and I'm like, oh, I have to get on my Zoom calls today for work. And then, you know, I just, it feels very uh, brave new world. We are just...
0: uh, Pod people.
1: Pod people. Yeah. And I don't think... We're rendering ourselves useless. Obviously, I mean, there's the whole AI discussion going on all the time. But I think we we are rendering ourselves useless, and we're also turning ourselves into something that's not human. And I that's terrifying to me. Hmm. And it was terrifying to Ted Kaczynski. And you know, and that's why I've been really interested in in his mind
0: lately. Did he have a uh, alternative? Was it like some sort of return to primitivity, live in yeah. trailers I mean, kind of thing? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think he was kind of like, yeah, he, he wanted to, he wanted a complete revolution of like uprooting everything and, yeah, returning to, to that.
0: A uh, really great reset.
1: Yeah, a really great reset. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, honestly, I don't think I'm willing to go that far at this point. I would definitely not be equipped to survive. <laughs> so... But I, I, I do think that there's truth to what he says, and I, I just think it's very interesting to think about
0: because it's yeah,
1: it's terrifying.
0: So there's there's definitely an arc that you're kind of describing here. Um, mm-hmm. And you you were an uh, a jerk, jerky mm-hmm. conservative. I was a jerk. <laughs> and then you were a righteous uh, justice warrior. Mm-hmm. and then you went into the queue. Uh, level of questioning everything Yeah Can't choose, I guess But it seems yeah. like you're returning to a more uh, I guess some version of not left Or not revolution um, it Seems like there's some sort of reactionary uh, But I don't like the word reactionary Because it's actually not correct But um, question What was conservatism to you When you were jerky conservatism? When a conserv- I was,
1: yeah, when I was jerky conservative, uh, conservative, I really just wanted like, I mean, what I would, the books I had been reading, I was reading like, uh, Ann Coulter books. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I was, I was reading Katie Pavlich, I think was her name. And I was very, very, very anti-abortion. That was my like, big, big thing. But I didn't even truly believe that. I don't know. I I just would, if I got into arguments, I would just, it was so easy to take the, the hard line of. Baby killer. Baby killer. Yeah. And that was so, for me, that was a fun argument to get into. Cause I was, I would be like, you're a murderer. <laughs> you're <Yeah>. evil. <laughs> and that's so easy to say. <laughs> because. The lot, li- those lines that are, there's, there's some really hard lines to argue. Like if you, if you're arguing for, maybe a short, short term abort, like the three, uh, eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it is, if you're arguing that line, it's, that's a harder line to argue because there's no, we don't know exactly when the, the life matters. The only thing you can say is if it, you're a killer in general, if you kill it or not. So that's, that was what, then when I was a jerk, I chose that mostly.
0: Okay, was was there like a religious context for that, or no. was it so it was kind of just socio political that mm-hmm. that was your tribe kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I, I've never been uh, religious because my grandma kind of ruined that for me.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, Atheist I just grandma. remember no, so opposite? no,
1: the opposite. Okay. Um, I had uh, been wondering. I was like nine or eight or something, and I was just like. I had just found out that Santa wasn't real. And okay. I was like, well that makes sense because I've never seen him. And you know, like never seen the Easter Bunny, never seen this, never seen that. And then everyone kept talking about God though. And I was just like, all right, well where where is he? So I was just, I had one been wondering. Um and it was harder to find out if he wasn't real cuz like with the Easter Bunny I searched around and I found you know the Easter eggs that my parents would put food in, and I found like the Santa written on a present before Santa was supposed to be there. So there were all these things that helped me realize that those things weren't real, but God was so much harder to find out. So I thought I'd ask the wisest person I knew, so the oldest, my grandma, and I asked her. I was like, "Is God real?" And she said, "Yes." And I said, "Well." um what happens if you don't believe that he is? She And she just looked at me, no compassion in her eyes, and just said, you go to hell. And so then I I walked away, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know what I believe. And then I oh, yeah, okay, was terrified right. for years after that. And then slowly was like, that's a terrible, if God was real, he wouldn't be doing that, making me feel that way all the time. So, yeah, that's why that got ruined for me.
0: <laughs> hmm. mm-hmm. So. What do you think about the um, religious question then, or at least the derivatives of religion that kind of dog us no matter what we do? If we say that we're not going to go to church, we don't believe in anything, all of a sudden we have a bunch of people marching through the streets demanding that we believe in their cause. It seems like human beings on a group level and on an individual level need some sort of metaphysics uh, Mm -hmm. to stabilize or to contextualize their, their belief and their meaning. Have well, you yeah. Been I, wrestling with that. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people are are constantly like, if you kind of like going back to before, like when that guy said he felt it was so nice to be in that group of people after this whole lockdown thing and, and be protesting mm-hmm. for something, throwing up your fists, and um, it all it all is very clearly a religious, culty thing. What what's happening on with the woke and um I think – oh, my God, I'm losing my train of thought.
0: That's okay. What would Nietzsche say? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I mean – Or Kaczynski, whatever, whatever patron saint you want to choose.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, now I'm honestly forgetting the first part of your question.
0: Well, it, it, I'm, how do you make meaning without an outer limit? Um I understand. I don't want to get into theology in that rudimentary discussion, but it seems like when we take religion out of society, we have all of the different things that it was organizing, but they're disordered now or they're covert. And a lot of what we call wokeness, and we can get into all the different Mm -hmm. varieties of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. is Rebooting certain aspects specifically of Christianity with regards to uh, harmatology, I think, or some notion of sin, uh, some notion of original sin, some notion of uh, guilt, and mm-hmm. guilt and shame are there uh, without that religious context, without a way to render it out of our immediate Right area, right. we need to yeah. end up scapegoating, slaughtering somebody. We need to find mm-hmm. an innocent um, yep. and adulate them. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of vestiges of Christianity uh, with regards to certain conceptions of Jesus and Mary and the, and the son and the father and judgment and hell. That's all there, mm-hmm. but it's, it's disorganized and it's got like all these different Terms that are put there, there's this, so it's trying to recreate the mythology of our nation by saying that our nation is founded on oppression. It's not that our nation is iteratively straining oppression from it. It's the most important thing is the oppression and you can't get Mm -hmm. away from that because it just, even if it's not there in front of you, it's systemic and it's implicit. So there's Mm -hmm. a heaven and a hell in the whole Mm -hmm. thing. So I'm Mm -hmm. just wondering what your thoughts are on what do we do with all that religiosity without a religion or, or wh- how do we, how do we manage that on an individual and society level? Big question. Maybe you're not even yeah. interested in this
1: question. <laughs> no, I am interested I in that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I am interested in that. And I mean, that is what one of the most terrifying things is, is that they're it's being, I mean, this is like when you talk to a religious person, they are, it's a, Scary thing to see how how far they would go for this mm. religion, you know. Okay. And what's happening now is that these it is it yeah it's become such a religion that yeah they are crucifying people they are taking victims or um, not they're not taking victims they're taking the oppressors and basically
0: victimizing
1: them. Uh, s- social s- slaughtering their social status.
0: Yes. Basically. Yeah. The murder, of the, um, or the murder of the reputations. The murder of the reputations. The culling of the reputations. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it, it is. It's, it's. I, I I just like caught my out of the corner of my eye. One of my books is God is not great, and then just how religion poisons everything. As I'm saying this, like it's right behind. Who, what am looking one? at?
0: Which which asshole wrote that?
1: That's Hitchens.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Big asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but good one. We um, all kind of have to be yeah but uh yeah it's it's i mean kind of seeing it play out in my personal life with in regards to you know the second i started speaking out it mm. kind of attracted all attracted all of the people who were most susceptible who needed something i guess um and bought into it hook line and sinker right away with the whole wokeness and the protests and um they were starting to call like my friends were getting multiple calls from these random people who knew me by association asking how they could associate with me so it was it felt kind of like what they do in Scientology like and that was I remember being obsessed with the Church of Scientology before because that was so weird the way they would you know really just start to like cut people out the second they made one wrong move and that's basically what happened and that's purity yeah Yeah, purity yeah yeah it's very um very weird to be on the receiving end of, of that
0: yeah, so you went from kind of being destabilized inside of yourself, and once that manifested outside of you by speaking about it, then it that destabilization was just rippled through the entire uh, your entire social structure then. Mm-hmm. So it started with the mind thought. That's just – there's something terrible about an ideology that does that. In, unless we're in like hunter-gatherer times where mitigating from the tribe – uh, will actually destroy the tribe, right? Like where mm-hmm. that that really high kind of purity of behavior is mm-hmm. necessary in order for you know let's track across yeah. the Sahara, uh, Sahara or whatever. Uh, so I understand it in that context, but an ideology that kind of triggers that behavior in a landscape that doesn't require that. Right. It's just it's primordial. And again, I just. When we're dealing with that those primordial superstructures of you know like the, that wiring inside of us, I I'm trying to like not just say there's something about religion that is the answer or has the clue, but I don't know to what extent um, we can, it's, we're able to go back there to resurrect that form of meaning making on a communal and individual level. It's just something that I'm toying with.
1: Yeah. I I mean, that's, that's, it's hard because there is some element of religion that is really useful. And, and that, I mean, in order for people to live together, it's nice to have this kind of moral structure. And, and I mean, that's why, yeah, like maybe going back to like what, Ted Kaczynski would want. We all return to our roots and just start spearing each other and whatever. Like that's, there obviously is something nice about religion in order to create something that's going to grow and Mm, mm -hmm. turn and and create a civilization that can all work together. Um, So that's where, yeah, community um, is important and religion helps that out a lot, but it does when it, when it becomes so uh, I don't know when you insert the kind of language, when you change the language, when you change everything, that's when things start to really, really get scary because now everything is everything is a, a crime against this religion, and yeah. now every I mean, yeah, I mean what I was saying before, it, you can't you can't say one. One I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm ranting, but you can't say one wrong thing. You and then you get kicked out of the church. And it's so immoral the way it is now. This religion, it's like an immoral religion. And now everything like identity politics, the obsession with sex, like all of this on a it seems like it's the religion has been flipped to instead of being your good what you're be good you know abstain from sex like uh man and woman get married like all of that Mm -hmm. um it has completely flipped to be have sex all the time and do drugs and and experiment and be if you're a girl you're also you can be a guy or you know who you don't have to be anyone and it's just become it's so it's strange how it's flipped to me i don't know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's a very weird opposite
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's another path, but it's an elitist path, and uh, those who take it suffer, but no matter what, you're going to suffer. So I guess that, that's not that big of a deal, uh, mm-hmm. or novel in any way. But there's the path of art, and that's something that you brought up in your uh, podcast that you published, like I think, 18 hours ago or something like that. It was mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, and you brought up Kerouac, and you um, brought up uh, art and... Even got a little emotional. You entreated this kind of romantic was, domain right. in a way. I You're was unloved. very
1: embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I had been feeling well, you, a little. I guess, you cry sure. very
0: gently. So it wasn't, it didn't ruin the audio. It was still yeah. it was a pleasant listen, still.
1: Yeah, I tried to uh, not, you know, do the liberal scream, <laughs> liberal tears, cries, whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I. I I, I have I've always loved art, but there there is something there was something really cool about. what I read, um, I forget what it was. I mean, I got inspired to start looking back into Kerouac because I had been listening to the Lex Friedman podcast with when he had Tim Dillon on, and I just thought it was such an interesting quote to choose, before Tim Dillon comes on the one the. Um, the most like famous Kerouac quote. Uh, I forgot it in the podcast last night a little bit, and now I'm forgetting it again, but where, you know, things are exploding across across the sky. Oh, the only ones for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, to serious of everything, whatever. Um, I thought that was an interesting quote and such a powerful thing for what, what were, you know, what by, Something like this, like by starting a podcast, mad to live, mad to talk, um, mm. and and just, you know, kind of pursuing madness through art, a form of art or whatever. And I, I think that's kind of exciting to think about. Like I've, people like us kind of are just kind of saying, yeah, I'm choosing madness right now. I don't know. <laughs> that's that is kind of what I'm choosing, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it engages multiplicity of your faculties, uh, your voice, your eye, uh, mm-hmm. your mind, your questioning, your mm-hmm. decision making, I guess your certainty. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean it it feels far more vulnerable than than anything I've done. It's not and I mean I've I've always been kind of like a the type of person to well ever for the past few years I guess more but I I like to do things that I feel scared of. I mean like yeah a couple of years ago getting a motorcycle like things like that like I just hmm. things that might kill me essentially and this for some reason feels like this might kill me too. <laughs> so hmm. yeah. And it it yeah just being so having so many things I'm yeah like you said I'm using my mind I'm using I'm using my voice I'm trying to connect words together at a rate that I don't usually do um, and it's <laughs> it's hard and it's scary Wait
0: are we am, are you speaking in 1.5 times speed like right now from your normal voice Yeah my <laughs>
1: my normal voice is
0: more like this I don't know <laughs> Actually, you know, what? I have to say, just commenting on your articulation, it's it's very measured, and you don't use a lot of likes and ums and stuff like that, which is
1: oh, good. Is well, nice that's on the air. one of the um, one of the people who had inspired my my past liberalism back in the day, uh, or my less liberalism, more SJWism, I guess. He he was the father of my ex boyfriend, and he would always, while I was talking. If I said like or um, he's a very smart man. But basically, yeah, he would whip me with words and make me feel very stupid every time. So, hmm. yeah, he, he was the kind of person who just pointed out every single time. Yeah. There's another like, you, another like, another um. And okay. So, mm-hmm.
0: that I appreciate that. That would be considered traumatizing in this day and age. How yeah. do you deal with, with somebody correcting you like that?
1: You know, I mean, he was a white man.
0: So yeah, there's
1: that it's really hard, <laughs> way worse than if it was a, a woman of uh, color, you know, some diverse individual that would have been a lot easier to deal with.
0: But, yeah. Because then you, you need to do better.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I, yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I've tried not to do the ums and the likes.
0: Yeah. yeah. But there's a kind of a serious question there about discipline and uh, about the need for uh, difficulty in order to become a better person. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like uh, there's this prevailing uh, attitude about anything that's difficult is trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. And or we need to coddle the kids, coddling of the American mind Mm reference there. Uh, Yeah, Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody should participate. Mm -hmm. And now it's going in really absurd things that, oh, yeah, a a man should definitely, uh, if he needs to, Mm -hmm. compete with a woman. Because the women need – it's better to lose and not be oppressive than to win as an oppressor. So you definitely should do that. And and the, everybody should do whatever they want to do, even if it takes away opportunities from others. But there's all this calculus and stuff going on. It seems that it's promoting fragility uh, or it's the only way to become – a good sword is to get the crap hammered out of you over and over and over again. Every, all those ions need to come into alignment to have right. a really strong metal. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean this, that's something I've been kind of also obsessing over a little bit. Like, you know, the, all of the Stoics would say things like, I think it was Marcus Aurelius hard times make strong men, yeah. easy times make weak men. Uh, and that's, Again, going back to the human experience, like I, I genuinely feel like I'm not I, as a very privileged person. Um, we all kind of are. Uh, not to be able to have those that those painful, really suffering experience, suffering on a level that our ancestors did is damaging to who we become. Mm-hmm. And
0: wait. To not experience suffering is damaging. Yes. Is that way, yeah. I Isn't think that interesting? I think so.
1: Um, yeah. You're I mean, more I damaged
0: it. by by not suffering than you are from the suffering in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I truly believe that because almost everyone I know who who has kind of been, who seems to me like a very great person that I've met or I've had in my life, uh, they've always had some kind of really terrible thing happen. But then, but they don't talk about it, really. They don't dwell on it. It's not something that they're constantly like, "Oh, well, you know my my dad died, and and I'm for perpetually in a state of just "I'm lost and I'm sad." These people have they've taken the suffering, internalized it, cried about it, moved forward, worked hard, and that and they've become these like just really inspiring people. And you look at people like David Goggins, who is throwing himself into suffering as much as he, like human, a human now could possibly do it, um, and becoming this very strong and an inspirational person. I think these, I, I, I remember when I was in college, I wrote a paper to, for my liberal, very liberal professor, but he loved it um, and agreed with me. Uh, we actually were emailing back and forth the other day, and he recommended Candace Owens to me. And I was like, oh, my God, that's oh, wow. so funny. Yeah, yeah. He hmm. went from very liberal professor all the way. But I had written this paper, and it was about rubber plate, like how we are building rubber playgrounds. Um, and this was actually while I was a liberal, which, um, or while I identified with the left, I guess. And we're rounding out all the corners on these playgrounds. And we're making it so everyone just bounces off of them, like little kids are bouncing off of these rubber playgrounds, and they're not, they're never getting hurt. They're never having to be like, oh, I'm shit, I'm bleeding. What do I do now? Like, it's always, you know, mommy, I fell, and then help me. I don't know. You know, it's, it, I just think that we are, yeah. we are, we are raising a, the next generation is going to be full of very weak, yeah. weak people.
0: It, we're simultaneously we're narrowing the spectrum of experience uh, by trying to cut off the very hard parts of life we're also mm-hmm. cutting off the we're not intending to but we 're cutting off you know this this other realm of human triumph or mm-hmm. very extreme uh, uh works of art let's say without that mm-hmm. really hard stuff uh, right. while we're while we're narrowing the uh, spectrum of actual experience, we're finding all these fake spectrums, Uh, just, I'm just thinking about this gender spectrum that Mm -hmm. is, it's so, it's so broad that it's, you know, there's even parts of it that that aren't even in a spectrum. There are spectrums within spectrums and stuff like that. So the, the human desire for a breadth of experience is being deferred from reality into these pseudo-realities. And it seems like there's this drive to find a limit in a mm-hmm. way, even though these, these, this generation that's been limited so much for the sake of mm-hmm. safety and our country's limited more and more for the sake of safety, no, I'm right. talking about everything post nine yeah. eleven, and if the certain people get their way, everything post one six, we'll see. Oh yeah, right, yeah. Uh, but th- that that human in in exploding, say something like gender. People are actually in a weird, perverse way seeking a limit. They're seeking a mm-hmm. limit by trying to escape a limit in a, in a way. Uh, that's right. kind of it. Feels like a half-formed thought, but maybe well, you can finish
1: I it. mean it's an interesting thought, though. I mean, I kept while you were saying that, I just kept picturing. Uh, not like I wasn't listening, and I was just picturing this, but you were making me picture uh, you the do door more to Narnia. More you know, the door yeah. to Narnia when they, like, it's it is it's an escape of reality um, where where there is actual suffering to be had, like the born, like the the mundaneness, I guess, of yes. of everyday life, which is now what we are in, and then to open the door to Narnia, and then oh my God, there's there's a You know, a man with a different bottom half over there and there's a little elf man over there or whatever. And it's just like uh, it does it feels like there it really is trying to recreate a fantasy world where there are no limits. But, yeah, where where there ends up being a limit. Somewhere in there. I don't know. Or, yeah, now now and, I'm doing half-form thoughts.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. And and then oppression becomes that which needs to be escaped from. But every time you escape from oppression, you find even more of it. But it just becomes more and more subtle or systemic in a mm-hmm. way. Like the, the, you need the oppression. You need the oppression. Right. You need the oppression. Right. Uh, and yep. every time you escape from it, you make your life shittier because you're yeah. not facing actual
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, was watching, I was watching some video the other day and it was like uh, – it was talking about it, – it showed one clip of, of people, and it was. It said, we're all living like uh, kings, essentially, like old kings. Yeah. Um, and it showed a bunch of, you know, kind of overweight people in the grocery store when it said that, when it had that line, like, we are all kings. And everyone's just, you know, their heads are down, they're looking at their phones, and their bellies are distended and, yeah. you know, grabbing food from wherever. And yeah. it, it really is – that seeing that picture and thinking like, wow, there is there is so little, so little actual oppression or whatever. And these people are so bored and it you do seek. And and I guess in what the left is doing in the wrong way is they're seeking that. Yeah, they're seeking that through seeking excitement through. um hmm yeah, how many, how many letters they can put into the LGBTQ thing, how many, it, it it is, I don't know, and that's what happens, I guess. Something really interesting I stumbled on a couple of months ago was a documentary, The Four Horsemen, where it takes you through the, the stages of an empire's decline. And hmm. it's like six stages. Uh, and I mean, you've got the first few stages are it's like the stage of pioneers and conquest. So like when the country begins, when the empire begins, uh, and then stage of like, I guess I think it's industry. And then there's affluence. And then after affluence is the stage of the intellectual, which hmm. precludes the last stage, which is uh, decadence, which is full of debauchery and all that. But, it's interesting to me because it's like once people start making money and getting really smart and thinking too much, mm. like, which is ironic because I'm all about thinking. Um, <laughs> but once people get so smart that they're able to just sit there and try and create problems, like there are not enough numbers in the – there are not enough or letters for the LGBTQ community. We need to come up with more X, Z, whatever it is.
0: and That's a form of pioneering. Yeah. They're seeking to be pioneers. Right. Of gender. They are.
1: Yeah. But then that's, and it's funny because that's like, that is always, though, what what they say has been what begins the, like, where the fall begins, like, where it really, we're in the last stage. And Mm. Hmm. you give people so little to do and so little to suffer for and to live for, they're going to try and find something ridiculous to do it for. Yeah. And that's where we are. where we are.
0: You brought up seeking excitement. Mm-hmm. Are you not seeking excitement by being the matador of the left and bringing out the red flag and uh, <laughs> taunting that a little bit?
1: Um, I mean, I'm more, I, I mean, I like, I get genuinely sad when I see someone from someone like yelling at me from the left on something. Like I don't like upset. I don't, I don't like ruffling feathers. I I genuinely like thinking in conversation. Okay. I mean, I would be lying if I said... i are not shitposting
0: and trolling.
1: No, I don't like to shitpost or troll. Um, yeah. But I, I do like to, to... You know, if I see something that I think is wrong or uh, a slippery slope, uh, then I'm going to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a very confrontational person I would say I'm much more um please just have a fun conversation with me because I like doing that and also uh I want to find a way to not to make the most of this meaningless life that I have so Hmm.
0: Hmm. that's why I'm doing it I guess if you could have if if wokeness wasn't a thing if uh politics wasn't so tasty and in our faces all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, tempting to get engaged in or just mm-hmm. creeping into everything. If the personal, if, if the personal had not become political, what do you think you would be doing to create craft and interact with meaning then?
1: Um, I think probably, I mean, I, I might've still found a way toward to this because I've always had like in, high school, it was like something I was very interested in before people really cared. Um, It's something I've always been interested in and books. I, I, well, I guess one of the, one of the things I'd been the most interested in, kind of not political, but I had been just eating those books up. It was uh, books on women in the Middle East and, and what the oppression they face over there has always been a kind of small obsession of mine. So I probably would have found some way to get into this.
0: Okay. Yeah. okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so you think that the social uh, is something that lights you up then. Yes. Naturally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It does. What's what's the number one issue then that that if you had the power to solve, um, uh, and then have and then could completely ignore the unintended consequences, uh, what would you either uh, work on or change about society? What, what, what's like if there's a list there, like what's towards the top of what you think is going wrong, and it could be exactly what we're talking about now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think because of everything I've learned, like I, I part of me when I look at the suffering that women face now in other, okay. and I'm not saying it's good or that I like it or that I want it to happen, but these women are like Ion hersey Ali, everything she went through. She is a, she is like the strongest, most incredible person I've ever listened to. Uh, okay. and so before, if you had talked to me or asked me that question, I would have without a doubt had said like, maybe you asked me to me five years ago or whatever. I would have said women in the middle East, the oppression they face. That is the one thing I would like to eradicate. eradicate. Yeah. Okay. Um, and now the more, the more and more and more I've learned and the more I, I would like to find a way to stop the cycle <laughs> of these empires falling because it always is when we get obsessed with sex and identity and all of this ridiculous stuff that doesn't matter. So I guess it would be
0: Hmm.
1: like the thing I care about the most now, it would be uh, how do we get as, how do we stop um, identity politics from seeping in and destroying everything and kind of destroying our, our humanity along with it, along with this civilization. And I don't know. I, I, that's. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, it's such a big thing that I, I really, it's a very like macro thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's so many little things that come with so many little rivers that come off of it in yeah. my head. I
0: don't know. There is a lot of work to do. I mean, you could run yeah. a whole podcast yeah, I for have years to, and years on this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to stop the empire from falling, essentially.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you, so, you have uh, a glimmer or an image of what to what to work for? Like, is there an America or is there a humanity that you – are able to somewhat visualize or define?
1: Well, so I think what what immediately comes to mind is just the end of Atlas Shrugged. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, it's been a while. But do uh, and I there's guess, a l- really
0: long speech at the end, right? That goes was, on for pages and pages and pages. Yeah, and pages
1: that, that's pages like pages the and pages and pages. Yeah, I hated that. Getting through that was it was like re- repeating itself over and over and over and over again.
0: And I remember. I I remember the cement stair step in Chicago and the temperature and the humidity when I was trying to slog through. I remember that, just <laughs> trying to slog through that. And like yeah. my, my attention just like was just bouncing off the page into my environment.
1: I know. <laughs> so it's hard. funny because I, I do remember. I remember where I was, too, when I was trying to get through that. Like it, uh, it really was a that was a terrible thing to get through. <laughs> <laughs> suffering. Ayn Rand gave me some suffering. Um, hmm. But yeah, at the, at the end of uh, Atlas shrugged, But I can get
0: through that, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, my utopia, like, my utopian dream, I guess. Because I think her, Ayn Rand is a bit utopian, and it's her ideas. Um, but it would be, you know, you see this, world coming to an end. Everything is coming to a stop. Trains are literally stopping, um, in this book. And, uh, there are the, I guess the individuals in the book who then go and create a new society full of strong men who are willing to work and to, you know, trade time and, and, and just create a quality, like everyone works hard. And Mm -hmm. In my head, that's what I picture, like the perfect end to whatever, like however many years down the road that is, the pioneers that come and recreate society are all a few strong men. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. In my dream, the, I would be a yeah, part the of problem, that.
0: The problem with affluence is that there is uh, enough excess created by the industrious that there's just an entire class that is almost by necessity removed from harsh conditions removed right. from being compelled to work mm-hmm. i mean i my life has been all about working as little as possible and i've worked my ass off in mm-hmm. order to not have a job right so i, mm-hmm. I you know because i don't want to like surrender to that particular being. Right. of being uh so, well, so well yeah so you you have to just be yeah, they call it the grind. You just have to always be grinding yeah. in yeah. order to not like become the sausage, you know, <laughs> in yeah. a way.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, I'm trapped in that I'm in the nine to five, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, I wake up every, every day and I have to answer to someone else. And yeah. I mean, that's another reason why I'm trying to do this because this is something I actually enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And to think of all of the, every second that I'm just giving to this these people that don't really care about me, um, mm-hmm. for a, a cause that I do not care about. That is that is something that uh, you know, I've been thinking about a lot, like how hard I am now working in order to not work as well. Like to because I don't want like I, I don't I hardly see people. My only interaction with people has been walking past people on the street on long yeah. thinking walks where they then pull up their mask the second they see me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I want to, you know, I'm working, like you said, working my ass off to not work. Yeah.
0: I think we should end that there. I want to okay. argue with you off camera, if that's okay. And not okay. in an argumentative sense. I want to challenge okay. you about something. Okay. Off camera, if that's okay. I'm going to stop the recording now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Me. Congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion. If you enjoyed it, do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff. And do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations. Links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well. Have a good night.